Hi! That's Lindsay. And that's Kayla. And we're two friends who share a love for reading that we want to share with you. So, so let's, let's talk, talk about, about books, books, baby! I bought this really cool chair. It's not a chair. It's like a memory foam pillow that's almost oh. like a chair, and you put it on your okay. bed. And so it gives you back support. It has cup holders. Oh, my God. Cup holders. I'm not saying that I'm living in 2030, but I'm saying you are. <laughs> that I am a little bit. Yeah. So I'm very proud of it. So <laughs> don't be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, but how are you? How is life in San Diego? It's hot as fuck as always. So fun. (laughs) Girl, yeah, no, it's hot here too. (laughs) I think last night was the first night I actually slept with a blanket on me, but I got hot and so I had to actually turn a fan on. We keep our air conditioning on all night. It's so bad, but we have to because it's just too hot. You can't have it on. If we had air conditioning in this house, I would have it on all the time, but just fans. We don't. We just just have have fans. fans. That's it. And so that's why on occasion I'll have the fan going and I'll ask you like, can you hear it? Can you hear it in the recording? Can you check? (laughs) Because I have it on me and it's because we just, we don't have air conditioning. That's crazy. I couldn't even imagine. Our house was born in the 80s and everyone else in this neighborhood has updated their house. And we were like, no, we liked the 80s. Let's just stay there. Yeah, let's stay there. Yeah. Fine. (laughs) Honestly, that's how this apartment, I think they built it in 92 and they clearly have not touched anything since then. And like I cleaned behind our washer and dryer. I don't think that no one had touched behind the washer and dryer since 1992. Oh, that's disgusting. Did it look really bad? How bad? It was so bad. Well, because the washer leaked. And so it was also not just dusty, but not muddy. But you know what I mean with the water yeah. added? Ugh, ugh. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. So gross. I put our air purifier, like we pulled out a washer, left it all night with the air purifier back there. Then we switched the next day. But oh my God, it was such a pain. Oh, so I just bought an air purifier too. Did you? Yeah. Yes. They're nice. Even if it's just placebo, I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but unfortunately, I think my stepmom and my dad, they leave doors and windows open all the time in our house. I just shut myself in my room, which turns into a microwave. Right. And then I just have right. my purifier going and it's just yeah bleh. but speaking of the 80s <laughs> great my, segue my book was actually written in the 80s oh yes apparently it was started in 1981 and it was finished okay. in 1985 wow. and it feels like it <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) It is so heavy. I felt ridiculous walking through Target with this book. Uh, But I also felt really smart. And then I started reading it and I was like, nah, you shouldn't feel smart. (laughs) Like sometimes it's hard to follow. Sometimes it's hard to follow, but it's really well written. So here we go. All right. The book that I chose this week is It by Stephen King. And holy hell. A master of horror, this man truly, truly is. Now, here's the thing. It is a really weird book. (laughs) At first, it's not. At first, it's like, oh, this is really cool, pure horror. This is awesome. 
but then it gets weird. But let me start from the beginning. This book is about seven misfits, basically, Mm -hmm. that kind of find each other. And they create this group called the Losers Club. The group is made up of Bill Denbro, who has a stutter, Richie Tozier. They call him Richie trash mouth Tozier. He has like really thick Coke bottle glasses Uh and he says the weirdest things ever. His character is really funny. But unfortunately in the book, his character makes a lot of racist jokes Mm. and stuff like that. It's like he's doing very not politically correct impressions and stuff like that. Is he purposefully being not politically correct then? Is that or is that just who he is as a character? That's who he is as a character. So he goes on to become a disc jock. And he does all these weird voices on radios. Think, what what were their names on Parks and Rec? Something in the douche. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ira and the douche. Ira and the douche. Crazy crazy Ira and the douche. Crazy Ira, clean your room. Yes. Yeah. Think of that. And that's basically him. And then you have Eddie Kasprick, who is asthmatic, but you come to find out he's actually not asthmatic. His mom just basically tells him he's sick all the time, makes him take all these medicines and all this stuff. Munchausen's by proxy, yeah. Kind of, but I think it's more like she just wants to keep him close to her and safe and like she's just way overprotective. Um, okay. Then you have Stanley Uris, who is Jewish. Okay. And then you have Mike Hanlon, who is black. And you have to remember the part where their children takes place in the late 50s. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, he's black. And then the character of Beverly Marsh, she's a girl. That's it. She's a girl. But she's the only girl in their group. And she doesn't really have that many girlfriends. So I think when she joins the Loser Club, she feels at home. Oh, I forgot to mention one of the kids. His name is Ben Hanscom. And he is, I'm going to say, heavy set. And he is just in love with Beverly. He is so in love with her. And he just always says it in his head. He's like, I love you, Beverly. I love you. And it's just the cutest thing. Yeah. So anyways, so these kids, they all live in this place called Derry, Maine. One thing I will say about this book is it is told in flashbacks. Whole book is told in flashbacks. So the book begins by telling you how Georgie Denbro, which is Bill Denbro's younger brother, he was killed. And it tells you about how he was killed. He saw a clown in the sewer and the clown was pretending to be his friend. And then the clown bit his arm off. And then... No! (laughs) I know. And then so Georgie died, unfortunately. Um, And then it actually flashes forward to the 80s where it tells the story, a man who dies and he is gay and he's being beaten up by these basically gay bashers. They're beating him and his boyfriend up and then they throw him over a bridge. And then one of the guys actually sees a clown fish him out of the water and then take a bite out of his armpit. No! (laughs) I know. I was gonna say, at least the clown doesn't discriminate, right? He's just like, he's like, whoever, it's fine, whoever. Yeah. But anyways, so it tells those two stories one right after the other. And then it starts telling the stories from different characters' perspectives. The characters from the Losers Club. So it introduces them and their life, and they are all getting phone calls from this character named Mike Hanlon and they're like 
I kind of remember him, I guess. And he's like, you made a promise a long time ago. And now you have to fulfill the promise, essentially. And so they're all like, okay. I will say when one of the characters, I won't say which one, when they all get together, they find out that one of them took their life. It happens right at the beginning of the book. But as soon as they found out that they were going to have to go back, they did take their life. So Uh once they get together, it's like, okay, we're down one person. But then as the characters are making their way to Derry, they are having all these flashbacks of their childhood. And the thing is, they didn't remember their childhood. Most of them didn't remember anything about it. And it turns out it's actually an effect that Derry and the things that happened in their childhood left on them. When they were kids, they all had experiences with this thing called Pennywise the Clown. And Pennywise Mm -hmm. was, as you can take from the name, was a clown, but it was a shapeshifter because it took on all these different things. Like three of the characters had gone to see a scary movie. It was a werewolf movie. And then one of those characters ended up seeing a werewolf. At the same time he was seeing a werewolf, he was with one of the other kids from the Losers Club and that kid saw the clown. So he didn't see a werewolf. They were just seeing two different things. One kid found their way into a standpipe, like one of those really large industrial pipes that have like stairs. And he heard a carnival going on. And so he walked in, started like walking up the stairs And then the door closed behind him and he was like, oh my God, I'm stuck. And he ran down trying to get it open. And then he started hearing footsteps coming down. And when he looked up, it was two dead kids that were drowned and they were just walking towards him like zombies. Stuff like that. It's pretty, uh, pretty bad. But anyway, so this whole book, it's telling the story of them making their way to Derry, Maine. And then it's going to a flashback and it's, and it's wonderful. So when they're kids, they come together, they protect Mike from the bad kids. So there's this really mean kid named Henry Bowers, who he hates all of these kids. He's got a really horrible father, really abusive. And everyone says that the dad is crazy. And he kind of passed it on to Henry. Um, And so Henry is just, he's super racist. He's horrible. He beats these kids up, breaks one of their arms, all this stuff. And he just has it out for them. And at some point, he really basically does go crazy. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And they're like, he's going to kill us. Yeah, there's he's going to kill us. He has a knife. He's chasing after us. He's going to kill us. Um, This book also has a few sweet love stories going on. So the girl in the group, her name is Beverly Marsh. And she is the cutest thing. I don't like her when she's an adult as much, (laughs) as much. But I still like, I think just some of the things that she says were just cheesy. But I loved her when she was a kid. She's just really chill. And and it wasn't a boys club. They welcomed her in with open arms. They realized she was super cool. And at one point, I think they told her, no, you can't do this. It's too dangerous. And she's like, is it because I'm a girl? Really? And she's really mad at him. It's really sweet, though. But then at some point, Beverly starts falling in love with 
Bill, which is like the group leader, and Ben Hanscom's like, well, of course, she's going to fall in love with him. And so anyways, she she really is falling in love with Bill. It's really, really cute. Of course, once they take care of everything that they take care of when they're kids, and then they all end up moving away from Derry, they start to lose their memory, like I said. And so when they're adults, they don't really remember what happened. And as they start getting closer to Derry, they start getting their memories back. There is a lot of adult content in this book. And I'm not talking about when they're adults. (laughs) I'm talking about when they're kids, which is the weird part. I will say there is basically an when they're kids. Did that just happen? happen? Yes. So essentially what happens is when they are kids, they defeat Pennywise the clown, but they're like, I don't think he's dead. I think we might have to come back and do this again. So... Beverly has the idea that she will okay to unify oh my god like as a, as a sense of unity and then when they get older at some point she's like you know it, she's back with Bill and she's like oh my god Bill he's here I can finally yeah. like tell him how I feel or whatever and then they um they sleep together okay and it's at that moment that she remembers. <laughs> and she like, didn't remember that she, up until that point. She didn't remember it. No, she did not remember. And then all of a sudden their memories start flooding back. So oh that was the moment where she was, this is it. And then they both remembered it. It was amazing. I won't give too much away. So much happens. It's kind of hard. Oh, uh, this is what I was going to say about Beverly. So all of them kind of have their own thing that they're going on in their personal life, right? So one thing that's great about Bill, what's really sad about Bill, but also great, is when he loses his little brother, his parents are devastated, and they pretty much just won't look at him. They won't look at each other. They don't look at him. It's like they're just, they're just strangers, basically. Richie Tozier... He's just kind of a he's just kind of a trash mouth. There's not too much too much going on with him in his life that he's concerned with. He's he's pretty free spirited. Eddie Kasprick, it turns out his inhaler is actually not real, and so he figures that out and he's like, "Oh my god, my whole life's been a lie." Yeah. And then you have Mike, who he's actually compiling this list of information about dairy. Um, And so his dad tells him about different things that happened when he was young, because Pennywise comes back every 27 years. So Mike asks his dad about something that happened 27 years prior, and his dad saw Pennywise too, but he just wrote it off because he was an adult, you know? Right. And then he also goes and he goes to like nursing homes and asks people in nursing homes about things that happened even before that and then they're like yeah and I saw this clown the circus must have been in town and he's like what the hell so he's really cool also obviously because Henry Bowers is super racist he's the one who's most hated by Henry and who gets just it's horrible but also Ben he he, because he's heavy set he gets torn up by Henry as well which is really really sucks but the one that I love like the the story that I love and hate simultaneously is Beverly's because her father is abusive. So in the book, her father is just extraordinarily abusive. There's a point where she sees blood come out of the sink. That's her mm-hmm. fear. The blood comes out of the sink and all this stuff. And she screams. Her dad comes in and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, oh my God. Whoa. And then he like punches her in the stomach. 
And he says, like, that's what you get for screaming, whatever. And then she has to tell him, like, I just saw a spider. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't have punched you if you would have said that. You shouldn't have punched her anyways. Come to find out her dad probably was actually a pedophile. So in the movie, he is a pedophile and he's actually raping her. And the movie does not include, it's actually a lot more mild than the book. I would say it's also more scary than the book. So adult content wise, the movie is a lot less. Also, I would say It Chapter One, if you're watching the new movies, It Chapter One, it doesn't follow the book super, super closely, but it's so good. And then It Chapter Two actually does follow the book really closely. So I highly recommend the movies. If you're going to read the book, I recommend the audiobook. Uh, it's read by Stephen Weber, who plays the principal in 13 Reasons Why. And it's just really fun. It's a really fun one. It's also super weird. But uh, yeah. but I think if you're just kind of feeling like you want to get in the Halloween spirit, totally listen to it. It's yeah. like classic listen- one. So classic. And he, there's yeah. a reason why he's the master of horror. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely not my type of <laughs> horror movie although it is interesting to hear that it's not as scary but like I've just read way too many books lately with rape in them and like Uh just sexual assault I can't do it I can't do it anymore I'm done well and like (laughs) like, I need trigger warnings at the beginning of these books like I cannot keep doing it well Um, and like here's here's a really cool thing about Beverly's character or not cool but kind of cool she actually ended up marrying someone just like her dad so she married like a total jerk that's abusive right. and all this stuff but when she gets the call from Mike saying that like she needs to come back to Derry she starts get, getting her stuff together her husband goes to like beat her up and she fights back hard and then she literally just walks out the door in like a nightgown or something with her clothes in a bag and right. she's yeah. she's a really strong character though so okay Wow. It sounds heavy. <laughs> it is. It's a heavy yeah. hitter and it's 1,200 yeah. pages of that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Can't do it. Ugh. Okay. Well, I read Mexican Gothic this week and it is, uh, okay, I wouldn't say it's not what I would usually, it's not what I would usually read. No, it's not. <laughs> but like it is, I would say it's lighter on the horror than I thought it would be. But again, also, I feel like it's different when I'm reading it versus watching it. Like if they made Mexican Gothic into a show or a movie, I probably would not watch it. Just with what I read, I would not watch it. Basically, it's a haunted house story. And again, I've read way too many of those too. I'm done with haunted houses. (laughs) This house is like, it's not haunted, but the backstory is... Okay, I'll go back. The main character is Noemi, and her cousin married this guy, Virgil Doyle, and he moved her to his house, and basically she hadn't heard from her in like a year, and suddenly they get this really weird letter. Oh, it's set in the 50s. They get a really weird letter basically saying her cousin Catalina basically being like, she's gone crazy. Her, it's, She's kind of speaking gibberish. She's talking about seeing things. And so Noemi goes to basically like check it out, see what's going on. And in the house, it's Virgil and Catalina are married, and Catalina's kind of sick is what they're saying and so she's in her room all the time then there's Virgil's cousin Francis and his mom Florence and then or maybe it's his that's his nephew I couldn't really get the I don't really remember the family tree but Virgil's father is Howard 
And Howard is a really old, very sickly man. And so the rules of the house are that you don't speak very loud. Like everyone has breakfast, lunch, and dinner in their rooms. Like it's very, the windows don't open. It's very odd. And so Noemi is from Mexico City. And so she's like all the hustle and bustle of a city. And then she's in the middle of nowhere in this haunted house. And it's just like weird for her. And so she, Um, yeah. Does she know it's haunted? No, but you can feel it. It It's old. She goes and it's gloomy. Like you, she just has this feeling like it's very run down, but these people are still living there. And so it's kind of like weird. She later learns as she's kind of researched. And that's another thing about this book. This book is kind of a slow beginning. And then you get everything in like the last 30 pages, which I didn't really appreciate. It's all like this setup. And then like, I didn't feel like it was scary or like it was setting the mood, but I didn't feel like it did it in a way that's like classic horror. Like I was like, okay, the house is weird. Even Noemi starts seeing things. You know, she goes to the town because Catalina is asking for this medicine that this medicine woman makes for her. And then Catalina takes it and like has a seizure and almost dies. And so Noemi is like, that was weird. What's going on? And so Noemi is trying to like figure this all out. And so she later learns, and this is kind of at the climax of the book, Howard, the old sickly man, is actually like 400, 500 years old. And he found a mushroom plant that had powers to keep him alive forever, but basically sacrifices had to be made. And that's not his body. It's just his spirit. He takes over bodies as he grows old. Uh-huh. So okay. it's very odd. And basically the house itself is like, I don't know the right word, but his spirit. No, not his spirit. The mushrooms are like intertwined into the walls of the house. So anyone who's in the house is breathing them in and basically is not falling under the spell, but basically like they're now indebted to Howard to be a part of Howard's life slash rule or whatever. And basically because because he's old and because he has done this multiple times and taken over multiple bodies, every time someone is born from him, the mushroom spirits or whatever are like in their bodies when they're born and it keeps them stuck to the house. They can't leave the house basically is like kind of what it is. So Noemi is there and they put it in the food and stuff. And so she's like slowly being stuck to the house And she's like, but I have a life to get back to. I don't want to fucking be here. Like, I'm just trying to save my cousin. And so she comes to learn that, oh, and also Howard is very into like eugenics and is just a terrible person and is very incestuous. He married one lady, I think it was Agnes. There was Agnes and Agatha, I think, were the two sisters. He married one and then she died. And so he married the other sister And then the cousins marry each other and then like the brothers and sisters marry each other and have babies so that basically they could keep the strength of everything within the family because outsiders coming in kind of breaks the chain or whatever. But then like at this point, so many have died off because it also makes them kind of a little bit weaker, which I thought was kind of odd because it's like you're into eugenics and you want to be a stronger race or whatever, but you're literally intermarrying. I don't know. It was just... To me, it didn't make a lot of sense. The reasoning behind all of it didn't make much sense. And so Noemi also has these dreams. Oh, Howard can also go into other people's minds. So he basically shows Noemi like the the past and how he like got to where he is. This is, I guess, where the horror part comes in. Someone births a baby and then he goes into the baby and like there's a snake. What the fuck? It's 
just really fucking creepy. And I wasn't really about it. The way things were described just made me really uncomfortable more than like scared, you know, like, and I didn't feel like it was horror. It was just, this is just gross. Why are you talking about this? Like, that? it's like a childhood right like it makes you uncomfortable you're like I don't really want to know that like why did you have to write that like are you sick in your mind that you felt like you had to write that to me it's kind of like why did that come to you and why did you want to write about that but the thing is I did kind of like the characters I feel like if it had gone in a different direction more like classic horror it might have been a little bit better but I feel like she was trying to do this extra like supernatural like mushroom thing and then it got weird because she had to explain how Howard kept it up for so many years and there was like priests who were doing sacrifices and basically it gets down to like no because Catalina was weak and that's why she was so sick but Noemi comes into the house and she's not sick from the mushrooms Howard needs Francis the cousin to marry Noemi and have babies so that we, they can continue the bloodline and so they're trying to keep Noemi there and she's basically like fuck that like I don't want this and so Francis doesn't really want to stick around either, but he was born into it. And so he devises a plan to help her and Catalina get out. And basically, and this is the thing, it was too easy. To me, it was like, you're in the last 20 pages. It was just like too easy for them to actually like get out. And basically they had to drink the tonic that the medicine woman had made Catalina, but only in small doses. Catalina like chugged the whole thing and that's why she had a seizure and almost died. They had to take it in small doses for weeks to like build up their immunity to the mushroom situation and then they could get out because basically you could walk out of the house but you couldn't get very far because it was called the gloom which was like the dreams and memories of everybody who had passed would bring them back in I don't know basically I'm just saying it wasn't that scary I wasn't that scared I wasn't like oh my god are they gonna get out of course they're gonna get fucking out like of course and so it ends up where Noemi and Catalina have been building up their immunity and Howard is about to go into Francis's body basically he doesn't want Virgil's he was supposed to take Virgil's body and he doesn't want Virgil's body for whatever reason I can't remember um and so he wants Francis's body I think because he married Noemi and the dude was really into Noemi but he was like a frail old man and so he basically just wanted to fuck her and so you nasty yeah but of course Noemi's not into this she's like you know a city girl she's like I don't want to be stuck here for the rest of my life are you kidding me like she was educated she wanted to go get her master's degree she was not about wanting to stay there and so Howard is about to go into Francis's body and Catalina like wakes up from her being so under or whatever and like stabs Howard in the eye but Howard has like all this life in him still and yeah. so he's like fallen over but he, he's still alive and so Francis Catalina and Noemi like go into the basement they're trying to get out of the house they go into the basement that basically goes into like the mausoleum crypt thing and the the mummified version of one of the first wives I can't remember which Agnes or Agatha I mean that's basically the same name is there and they're like don't look into her eyes but then Noemi looks into her eyes and basically whichever sister it was is so angry at Howard that the whole place catches on fire and so then they leave and then that's basically how it ends Oh, um, wait. So that was like, it kind of did them a favor that she looked in their eyes, right? Yeah. Right. But like, Francis was like, we're not supposed to. This is against the family rules or whatever. But like, that was basically like what she had to do. Oh, no, sorry. 
she didn't just catch on fire. Noemi did throw her lantern on her, but by her catching on fire, the whole house did because she was the root of the house, uh-huh. keeping keeping the gloom alive. And so then Howard eventually died by fire or by, you know, the chain being broken or whatever. But then Francis is also like, he has all of that inside him. Yeah. <sighs> It was just weird. He At the very end, they're at the doctor and like Francis wakes up and that's like how it ends. And I was just like, if we're going for like a gothic horror, I just felt like it missed the mark a lot. Okay. Let me ask you a question. If you could change it to make it better or to if you could change it to make it your type of horror, the classic type of yeah. horror that you would want, what would you do to change it? Well, I don't think I would have made it so, it just seems so clear cut. You know, it's like, okay, there's these, whatever this thing that's keeping them, the spirit of the house. And then obviously we learn later that one of the sisters was kind of like the root of it all that had kept the house together. But I just felt like I needed more in the first chunk of the book to keep me interested. It took me a long time to get through it. I'd read like a chapter every day and it just didn't keep me, maybe if I had read it all in one sitting, I'd feel a little different, but like, Nothing was really keeping me very interested. Like the characters were all right, but I wasn't sitting there like, what's going to happen to them? Or what's up with this house? Like, I'm like, okay, it's clearly a haunted house. Something is going on within the house. The walls are moving or whatever. Oh, there was lots of mold. Mold was a big part of it. And as a germaphobe, it made me really uncomfortable. (laughs) All the talk about mold. I was kind of like, let's not talk about mold. Like she's like (laughs) taking a bath and she sees mold on the wall. And I'm like, oh, no. No, you no, should bleach no. that. Yeah, no, but of course they don't want to do anything to the house because the house has to stay intact or whatever. I gave it three stars. There was some sexual assault that I did not appreciate. I didn't like the weird birthing and the person going into the child. And then there's a lot of like, they threw one of them into like a ditch. There was just a lot of weird. I've never seen American Horror Story, but I feel like maybe that's kind of what they were trying to do. Like just kind of weird creepy and all of this is in like these flashbacks that or not flashbacks that she's like the memories are going into her mind and so she's seen it firsthand technically Mm. but it's not firsthand but it's like just she's asleep and she's seen all these memories and so she's witnessing everything and I don't know it just felt odd and it wasn't what I was expecting so I was I was just a little bummed I'm not gonna lie I was just a little bummed so I know you don't care for scary movies, right? Yeah. Um, but there is this amazing... I, I personally really like it, but it's a really good movie called Crimson Peak, and it kind of actually reminds me of this book a little bit. Um, Tom Hiddleston in that one? Yes. Yeah, I've seen the trailer Tom Hiddleston, for that. Uh, Jessica Chastain and yeah. Mia Wasikowski. Okay. Great cast, and yeah. it kind of has a similar vibe to it. But basically, the whole house is built on this mountain that produces clay. And so sometimes clay, like, comes up through the floorboards and through the walls. And Mia Wasikowski's character's like, this house is haunted. She just moved in with her new husband, Tom Hiddleston. And her sister-in-law lives there, Jessica Chastain. And she thinks that the house is haunted. She's seeing these really, like, bloody ghosts everywhere. But it turns out the whole time. So good. Kind of similar, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, it just, that sounds more, like, detailed and well thought out. This one just, I never got the vibe of, oh, there's a reason behind 
why that one sister was the root of the house. Like, I have no idea. I never got that. Or, like, she kept in the dreams when she's showing Noemi, like, the memories or whatever. She kept saying, like, open your eyes, open your eyes. And I didn't, I don't know why. Like, there's just some odd things. And, again, it's not necessarily my genre, but I read it. It's fine. Three stars. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You know, next week we're reading Haunting of Hill House. And that one's more classic gothic horror. And so I'm excited to see what my the differences are between Mexican gothic and The Haunting of Hill House, because I feel like it's going to be similar. The, the vibe might be slightly similar. So I've watched the show and yeah. it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. You're like, not reading the book, so right? I'm going to read no. the book. No. Okay. You read the book. I'm going to. You guys, if you want to listen along next week, definitely either pick up the book, The Haunting of Hill House, or you can watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Ba-boom. <laughs> it's so good. It's got such an amazing cast, so many twists and turns. You'll really, really like it. And yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for you to read it because I, I want to know what the difference is between the book and the show. And I, I can't wait to talk to you about it. How long are 170 pages? It's not that long at all. Like, it's Shut quick. up. 170? Yeah. There's like no pages. It's a quick read. Oh my God, yeah. I'm so excited. Um, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this. Um, I hope that you pick up it or Mexican Gothic. Let us know. Do you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Did you like that the entire earth was created by a turtle with a stomach ache? That's actually in it. (laughs) Did you like it when Patrick was eaten by the leeches? Did you like it? I don't know. Tell me. Tell me if I'm wrong about Mexican Gothic or if I like miss the mark on like the point of it. If you read Mexican Gothic and I like totally like butchered what the purpose of it was, please tell me because I'm truly wondering why I didn't get it. You know, like why didn't I, I didn't get it? So yeah, Lindsay wants to get it, you guys. Help her it. get it. So guys, please remember to vote. That's coming up. Lindsay, it's always a pleasure. I miss you. I love your glasses. And I love you. Love you too. (laughs) Ta-ta for now. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tune in every Monday for new episodes. That's Kayla. And that's Lindsay. Goodbye.